0: Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali, and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program.
1: Second is we, uh, we saw the evolution and pretty much in a ringside view of this whole thing of new digital content creators coming up. All these content creators who are on YouTube started to really figure out that they want to come out of YouTube and create their own, they were nursing their own TV network ambitions, brand's ambitions.
0: That's after these headlines. India's government yesterday announced a relief package and a series of structural reforms for the cash-strapped telecom sector, Hindustan Times reported. Union Minister for IT and Communications Ashwini Vaishnav said that the cabinet had approved 100% foreign direct investment in the telecom sector through the automatic route from 49% earlier. A four-year moratorium was also approved for cash-strapped telecom companies like Vodafone Idea that are defaulting on payment. Microsoft now lets you remove passwords from Microsoft accounts entirely. Use the Microsoft Authenticator app, Windows Hello, a security key, or a verification code sent to your phone or email to sign into your Microsoft apps and services, such as Microsoft Outlook, OneDrive, Family Safety. Vasu Jakkal, Corporate Vice President for Security, Compliance and Identity at Microsoft, said in a blog post yesterday. This feature will be rolled out over the coming weeks. You'll need to have the Microsoft Authenticator mobile app installed and linked to your personal Microsoft account. You can then go to account.microsoft.com and choose Advanced Security Options and enable Passwordless Accounts in the Additional Security section. Approve the change from the Authenticator app to go password-free. Walmart is collaborating with Argo AI, a self-driving technology venture, and Ford to launch an autonomous vehicle delivery service in Austin, Miami, and Washington, D.C. in the U.S., TechCrunch reported yesterday. The service will allow customers to place online orders for groceries and other items using Walmart's ordering platform. Argo's cloud-based infrastructure will be integrated with Walmart's online platform routing the orders and scheduling package deliveries to customers' homes. Initially, the commercial service will be limited to specific locations in each city and expand over time. The companies will begin testing later this year, according to TechCrunch. Mobile Premier League or MPL, which exhorts users to earn money and get famous by playing mobile games, has become India's second gaming unicorn raising funds at a $2.3 billion valuation, Bloomberg reported yesterday. The three-year-old Bangalore startup raised money from investors led by Legatum Capital with participation from Accrete Capital and Gain Existing investors, including Moore Strategic Ventures and RTP Global, also participated in the round. The startup did not disclose the funding amount, But people familiar with the deal told Bloomberg that MPL had raised $150 million. Grow, an Indian startup that is helping millennials invest in mutual funds and stocks, is in advanced stages of talks to raise fresh funding at a $3 billion valuation, TechCrunch reported yesterday. The Bangalore-based startup is negotiating to close a $250 million round, which could close within weeks, according to TechCrunch. Amagi was a pioneer in geotagging based TVR distribution space. When cloud computing came along, the Bangalore company reinvented itself, set up a base in Silicon Valley four years ago, and quietly notched up a whole new roster of streaming channels among its clients. I spoke to Bhaskar Subramanyan, co founder and CEO at Amagi, which last week also brought on board investors who are strategic to its software as a service avatar including axel avatar ventures and northwest venture partners here's more from our conversation uh, baskar uh, welcome to this podcast uh, thank you so much for making time for this of course within the world of uh, the ad technologies uh, your company is well known uh, and and with of course many international customers and so on in some of the biggest markets in the world uh, but uh, for people who are not very familiar with uh, amagi uh, I guess it'll help if you can give us a snapshot of uh, your work, uh, what you started with when you started the company, I think back in 2007-8. Uh, and uh, and then we can talk about how the company has evolved.
1: Yeah, thank you, Hari. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Bhaskar. I'm co-founder of Amagi Media Labs. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, Hari, the company started about 2008 timeframe. Uh, the fundamental genesis when we started the company was build what's called geo-targeted advertising on television. So in those days in India, if you look at it, we used to all watch uh, broadcast television on our satellite and cable platforms. And uh, what we started off the company was to really find out if we can get local advertising on the city level on each of these different geographies across the country. So a same TV channel that you're watching, but have different ads in different uh, uh, cities, for example. So you could be watching an IPL match and maybe Bangalore has a different ad, Mumbai has a different ad, Delhi has a different That was the sort of the core concept that we started the company. Uh, But over the years, Hari, the biggest uh, uh, opportunities that we found out is as we started exploring international markets in about 2015-16 timeframe, we fundamentally saw that the shift to a cloud-based operations, that is basically becoming the whole broadcast operations, uh, becoming software centric and virtualized and be able to move to the cloud was a phenomena that we kind of uh, looked at and estimated that that's going to happen. So about 2016 time frame we kind of pretty much uh, pivoted the company to build an end-to-end uh, platform which allowed tv channels, content producers, sports networks, news channels and others to completely operate their media operations on the back end on a cloud infrastructure. I think that was the genesis of our whole uh, the change that we did in 2016. I'm starting with about two channels in 2017 to running more than 800 plus uh, channels today across the globe in 40 plus countries. It's been a great transformation that happened. Uh, If you look at it uh, today, Hari, as as a company, we are serving a two-sided market. On one side, I'm sure all of us are watching a lot of content today across so many different platforms. So clearly, the connected television or what we call the smart TV platforms have evolved across the globe. And obviously, we're all connected either on a mobile device or on a, or on a connected television devices today. And we are watching different genres of content, sports, news, everything is broad-based. So there's an explosion of content that's happened. Not only that, we're also seeing it in distribution platforms, which are very different. We are watching it on Netflix. We're watching it on Amazon Prime. We're watching it on YouTube. We're watching it on TikTok, WhatsApp, you name it. We're kind of watching it across both subscription, advertising-driven platforms and social platforms. What Amagi's mission fundamentally over the last five years has been the transformation where we built an end-to-end tech platform which connects any content creator to any content distributor worldwide in any format of the content that they need to be delivering and monetizing that in terms of dynamic ad insertion capabilities. That means it's personalized advertising for each and other individuals. So that's the core story that's evolved, Hari, over the years now.
0: Hmm. Uh, explain uh, the, I mean, give us a sense of uh, the tech uh, behind your products a little bit. Uh, how do they do uh, uh, what they are capable of doing?
1: Okay. Um, I have, again, we are at the kind of uh, intersection of cloud and video. What is happening is, see, video is a very complex technology. Uh, the idea is because the content is large, that means you have a lot more storage needs, compute needs, and network needs. Everything is kind of extreme in some sense in terms of managing it. Obviously, there's also real-time and latency challenges of managing video across on the cloud. What Amagi has done from an infrastructure standpoint is evolve an end-to-end infrastructure on uh, what we call the Kubernetes infrastructure today. Right? Uh, that, that's kind of the, the next generation cloud infrastructure. To bring up media processing elements on demand and be able to spin up and spin down multiple thousands of servers pretty much uh, in, in real time, right? Or near real time that we do today, and be able to process all of this content as and when the consumers want to watch it and be able to deliver it to them in uh, pretty much low latency or what you call the low delay environments that we're delivering today. On top of it, we have concurrent, concurrent viewers watching. because That means people have, we have. Uh, simultaneously, uh, uh, millions of viewers watching simultaneously. So we need to be able to provide capabilities on the cloud to be able to serve individualized advertising and eventually content to each of those users, for example. So the technology is is a kind of intersection of uh, what I call the bleeding edge cloud technologies marrying with the bleeding edge video related technologies. That's sort of the intersection that we work with Hari today as a company.
0: Hmm. Uh, What what are some of the uh, most interesting uh, advances and trends uh, that you have seen uh, in in this area that you just mentioned, you know, personalization uh, and in the uh, context of your original uh, premise in terms of uh, geotagging and localization of ads, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the biggest advances and trends that you are seeing?
1: so some of the fundamental changes that's happening of, and again this is I mean, obviously all of us have gone to uh, ip relay, ip connected platforms where we are consuming content so i think that's a change that's happened over the years and we see that continuing to transform how we view our experiences because it fundamentally transforms two things right one is obviously it provides you an on demand capability a capability to watch what you want when you want so that's that's a big advantage that we've all kind of leveraged Uh, Obviously, the second part is interactivity, that means it can provide you mechanisms where we can interact with the content or related, related what I call the metadata related to the content that we can do. But again, that's all the base of what the IP platforms have evolved. On top of it, if you look at it, uh, the the video quality has changed a lot, the resolutions have changed. I'm sure you've seen 4K television uh, starting to come in India and other places. But today, for example, Ultra HD or 4K is the technology of uh, of the future. In terms of the, the resolutions that it can provide you, it's 4K and then we're talking about 8K coming up, which I think is going to fundamentally transform the way we're going to see content in the two-dimensional form of what we see. What I think is more interesting that's happening is uh, uh, what we call is depth-based content that's starting to come in. That means the cameras are capturing uh, augmented reality needed information in depth. That means Cameras are not only capturing a two-dimensional video of yours, but is also capturing the depth information on the scene that's coming up. I think that's that will fundamentally transform the way we can do augmentation in terms of AR capabilities and you're going to see this on even normal video models. It's not just about on your mobile devices or gaming and others, but even the video trans- video we believe will transform a lot. So that is what's happening from the consumer end of things, Hari. But if you look at it from, uh, from a processing element standpoint, the biggest change, I think, and this is, uh, is, is the leveraging of machine learning as a capability to enhance uh, multiple different media operations at the back end, which was very, very hard earlier days. For example, I'm, I'm sure if we look at it, 9 uh, 11 came in uh, yesterday, right? So 9 11, everybody wants to kind of know what happened uh, on 9 11, and it's 20 years before. So if you want to really pull up the footage across those uh, timelines and be able to do it, and if I'm a large TV channel or a content network, it's extremely hard unless I had tagged every content with different perspectives, for example. In this day and age today, for example, if any 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 media company today which has a machine learning models in place could have just, in a click of a button, I could have searched saying, hey, give me all the emotions related to uh, 9-11 or give me all the... Uh, maybe just the fire services on 9-11, for example. I could have bring it, brought in more dimensions to my content. And uh, because of machine learning, I can I can now recognize these videos, bring in all the emotions and bring in everything back again in a very, very quick order. So I think slowly machine learning is impacting the way we are doing our media processing of the cloud. Two, three years back, we started investing on this, but we were not sure how it's going to really evolve in terms of the useful uh, models. But today, I think it's becoming fundamental to the transformation that's going to happen from a media process standpoint, Hari. That's where I think we are quite excited about the whole data and the whole machine learning models and how it can actually help our customers do their jobs much, much better and more efficiently.
0: Mm. Can you uh, get into this a little bit more uh, by giving us a couple of examples in terms of what uh, companies are already doing using Amagi's technologies uh, based on the information that uh, the machine learning programs are able to give them.
1: Absolutely, right So fundamentally, if you look at it, uh, video uh, video and audio to that extent, right, has a lot more information. And if you look at any of our, uh, when you're watching on any OTT platform, you need a lot of what we call the metadata related to the content. That is, you want to know uh, uh, who, who are the actors. You want to know the description. You want to know the storyline. You want to know the genre. Or even subgenres, you want to know, you want to maybe look at a thumbnail which can kind of attract you. You want to have a promo of that particular trailer or something that you want to really watch. Now, all of this is extremely hard to create it by hand or of the human for every content that's available across the globe. Now, what happens, what machine learning has helped, and again, where Amagi's been delivering as well, is the extraction of metadata across all of these spaces. Where we can actually, this the machines can auto-create this whole thing and be able to deliver it for us. This is a very good use case. For example, it could be a very old movie. Uh, the movie can be completely created and tagged with a lot of metadata about who are the actors, because face recognition has become very normal today that you can do it. With speech to text, we are able to extract a lot more information about content. And this helps in terms of providing a much better experience for consumers, both for watching and for searching and for recommending. All of that's getting powered by the, the by the base capabilities in the back end. That's number one. Number two, for example, sports is an interesting area where we see multiple different aspects. Right? For example, highlights generation. So if you look at it, you're watching a soccer match and at the end of the soccer match, typically you would like to have the highlights of the soccer match created. Uh, humans used to do it and maybe continue to do it in a lot more television networks today. The challenge with that is it is a very uh, cumbersome activity in terms of trying to create that. uh, And again, there's always a pressure to provide the highlights as soon as the match gets completed. Now, machines can do an extremely good job to identify goals and injuries and fouls and others and be able to put together highlights pretty much on the 91st minute. You can actually have uh, uh, highlights created and delivered to your customers today, for example. Speech-to-text, again, is an interesting area in sports that we've kind of leveraged where we enable our soccer customers, for example, to have their commentary pretty much in real time, converted to subtitles or closed captioning in terms of using speech to text. That's been an extremely successful uh, capability. Even today, for example, for all the La Liga matches in the US that we distribute for Bean Sports and others, we leverage this very, very heavily. So there are a lot of places where it's starting to intervene in terms of providing value creations. Uh, but I think it's just the scratching the surface hurry in terms of what we think is the future of where it's going.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just kind of thinking aloud. I mean, if you step back and uh, uh, look at uh, trends in retail, like uh, loyalty programs and things like that, I mean, I'm told that they are now much more interactive, not so much about points, but more about what happens in between two transactions and things like that so i'm just thinking that uh, uh, is there a way that companies like yours are connecting the dots and uh, you know beginning to provide some kind of an ecosystem uh, for your customers to leverage all of these different capabilities you know from loyalty at one end to your cloud based tech uh, uh, capabilities at the other
1: Absolutely, Harid. Again, as I told you going back, because we are a two-sided market, on one end, we are serving to end consumers directly on behalf of the distribution platforms today. That means we have access to viewership information almost on a minute-by-minute basis. On the other end, we have access to video content that's coming to our platform. That means we know frame-by-frame what's the content all about, including all the different emotions and the metadata that comes along with that whole thing. Both these are uh, very rich fields of uh, data that's available to us to create a unique set of capabilities which can both enhance the consumer experience. Because, end of it, we want to, although we, we are supporting an ad supported model, we truly believe that it should be a symbiotic relationship between the consumer and the advertisers. And uh, clearly, one of the biggest challenges in the industry is how do you reduce ad fatigue? You don't want to be throwing so many ads at people and trying to make people really um, uncomfortable slash tune out of the content that you're watching. So there are a lot of efforts that's going in the back end hurry these days. And again, I'm not able to preview to announce some of the things that we're doing is to be able to enable a much more what we call secure, uh, audience protected, and uh, more what I call audience friendly advertising models that are evolving. That could be uh, in content capabilities, including including for example identifying ad fatigue points and then taking it away looking at con- advertising that people are not interested in all and don't try to kind of kind of delineate them outside of your systems for example create what's called affinity models that means do i know what you would be interested in over time and try to use that as a mechanism to address it so that it becomes more relevant and more um, uh, more closer to what you would like to see for example so a lot of efforts happening on that front Hari, uh, today uh, but I think we are just in the kind of the what I call the starting phases of this whole industry and the evolution that you can actually bring along. Mm.
0: Uh, a couple of questions about uh, Amagi itself. Uh, I think uh, the, the pivot to uh, cloud-based uh, tech and solutions uh, would have been a pretty significant one for you. And uh, in the SaaS world, especially uh, today, the playbook seems to have been well established that even if you start something in Bangalore or Pune or Chennai, you quickly move to Silicon Valley and then, you know, uh, start building the company by doing a lot of development out of India, but uh, also uh, having a good uh, base in the US. Uh, whereas, uh, did you uh, also at some point, uh, you know, establish engineering and so on and other uh, operations in the US? But uh, m- what, from what I know, you've done much of your work out of Bangalore. So, what has been your experience?
1: Yeah, I think, again, you're right, Hari. I think there is there is a very a standardized playbook today. But uh, I think about when we were talking about 2015-16 timeframe, a couple of things, right? The, the whole media tech world uh, was not SaaS enabled. But subscription was, an it's a new model. Uh, people, people are comfortable buying capital expenditure, servers, and hardware, and others. So we were going to software-rich platforms, which was kind of unheard of to the industry, actually. We were kind of early to the industry at that point in time. Having said that, uh, absolutely. So we, one of my founders and colleagues, Sreeni, uh, moved to the U.S. So we kind of set base in Los Angeles and started the whole operations there. In fact, right. So in fact, we did it four years back, or maybe four and a half years back, right? And again, that's grown. Uh, so U.S. market alone then grew thirty times over for us, right? And became the largest market for us. Uh, so pretty much in forty-eight months, literally. The markets kind of evolved and that to that extent we have to really focus on that market today for example we do have sales we have pre-sales we have account management we have some of the operational limits we're expanding into onboarding and some of the aspects and uh, uh, domain expertise and others in the us uh, for sure so that's happening but r d happens out of india and it's continuing out of india at this point of time Hari. that's the way it's structured today
0: hmm. Uh, so, to you, when uh, Srini uh, moved to the U.S., what were the imperatives, you know, that you decide that decided you on uh, establishing something in the U.S.?
1: A couple of things. One is uh, once we kind of zeroed in on that we're going to really build a Mediatek SaaS venture, and that too on a cloud infrastructure. It was clear that adoption is a, is a very important parameter. We cannot because an adoption was starting to happen in the U.S. So US is the first market, thanks to internet penetration and the ability for, I think the majority of all the cloud vendors and data centers that are available there have provided much more, uh, uh, what I call an environment for innovation and creativity, which we could actually adopt to. I think that was the fundamental driver. Second is we, uh, we saw the evolution and pretty much in a ringside view of this whole thing of new digital content creators coming up. All these content creators who are on YouTube started to really figure out that they want to come out of YouTube and create their own. They were nursing their own TV network ambitions, brands' ambitions. In fact, we have been part of the growth journey for a lot of people. And again, Tastemate is a good example of a company which pretty much we've we've kind of grown together. So this is a company which which creates lifestyle and uh, cooking and uh, content design and home content today. Very, very interesting content, competes against the large larger brands today, uh, but started as something of a simple uh, LA brand to start with, uh, was on YouTube, then transformed into going to Roku, to Samsung, to a lot of the OTT platforms and started becoming become one of the most popular content across the, this particular genre. And again, if you look at there, uh, we've had a very symbiotic relationship with these sort of content creators and hundreds of content creators like them where we are their tech partner of choice. So we pretty much manage all their technology needs and they are able to focus on the content needs. And this symbiotic relationships has helped them grow and we grow in the bargain. I think that was all happening because the cauldron of all these innovations were happening in LA and New York, which are the two media hubs uh, for a whole of the US population, as well as I think, uh, and it was also kind of a leading innovator for the globe in terms of new companies evolving. And I think we were at the right place, right time at the point time, Hari. And that was the kind of the genesis of the growth that we've seen as well.
0: Mm. One uh, last uh, standard question. Uh, You've announced some new uh, investors who've come in and well-known investors who've come into Amagi and also some early investors have exited. Uh, Can you talk about that? And uh, uh, what are your next big priorities?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the company is at a phase, as a next generation phase, and that was the kind of a conscious choice we made. uh, Over the last about six months, we've been kind of, uh, uh, obviously a couple of investors exited, which is Emerald Media, which is a KKR fund, and Mayfield, which is our first Series A investor. So that's the first institutional money that came into the company. And these two investors had their exit timelines uh, pretty much in terms of wanting to exit. And the company was kind of pretty much doubling growth at this point of time. And what what I think the fundamental challenges and needs that we had was can we bring in world-class investors who understand the SaaS ecosystem, have seen growth which are like uh, much, much larger than what we are, and how do we kind of leverage their expertise uh, both in terms of hiring, in terms of structuring, creating a playbook which can actually expect us to scale, uh, help us in recruiting senior talent for example. Uh, the whole slew of things that we wanted to learn together. And uh, we were lucky, we've kind of been talking to many people, and we had to kind of choose the best of these lot. And obviously, Axel, Norwest, and Avatar are people that uh, we chose. Uh, fundamentally, uh, Axel, uh, I think Shekhar uh, has been a, a longtime friend, uh, wanting to invest in the company five years back, but we couldn't accommodate him at that point in time. And this is the right time. I think the company also needs uh, a great uh, supporter like Axel. For us to kind of scale to the next step. So that helped us a lot in bringing Excel, Norwest and Avtar ventures together. All of them very, very uh, global in their outlook, uh, understand SaaS and, and kind of build the SaaS ecosystem. That's where I think we wanted to help. Obviously, Premji Invest, who was our existing investor, has been a big backbone of support, continues to be as part of the company. And in fact, they, they doubled down and reinvested back again in this round as well. So to that extent i think we have a fairly great board in place i'm quite excited about the the investors we brought on board um already they're kind of delivering a lot of value for us as a company in terms of uh, introductions in terms of bringing some sort of playbook aspects in terms of structuring whole host sort of opportunities but again i'm just waiting to kind of uh, leverage them much much better than what i'm doing today and that's excitement hurry for us
0: okay excellent uh, really interesting uh, conversation baskar and wonderful to uh, you know, get this update about uh, your uh, transformation. And I hope to keep the t- conversation going. Thank you so much again for making time for this.
1: Thank you, Ari, Thank you very much for this.
0: That was Bhaskar Subramanian. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.